All right, guys, this is a special episode of I've Read Dune, because uh, we're doing I've Seen Dune, Dune the movie, Dune 2021. Mm-hmm. Dune yeah. 2021. <laughs> Dune 2021. I'm Austin Bridges, and I've seen Dune. Oh, I'm Andrew Eric Davison, and I've seen Dune. Oh, I like that the, I like that the third name comes out for movies. <laughs> <laughs> You're Andrew Davison in book, like for books, but but I'm Andrew third Eric's name for movie. Three names Your erudite for movies. movie watching name. <laughs> Guys, and I'm Rory. I read Dune. I've seen Dune. You are uh, Dune. I am become Dune. That's pretty good. I I am I'm all right. Actually, here I'll get I'll get a couple business thoughts out of the way first. So we're recording this chronologically when we've all read. We've all heard about the book that covers the movie, the parts of the book that are in the movie, but we're releasing it out of order because we kind of feel like maybe, you know, people might want to hear our thoughts on the movie while they are fresh having seen the movie. Yeah, we got to hit the SEO hot. (laughs) So so in, in released podcast episodes, we haven't quite gotten through the movie content yet, but here we are sort of out of order, gonna talk about our thoughts. I myself... Uh, not 20 minutes ago, just finished actually watching the movie for the first time. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm super fresh. I watched it last week. Um, I watched it the HBO. day it came out. Yeah, yeah I also I also <laughs> succumbed to uh, I, I had I don't think so. Granted, HBO, it's in your home. There's COVID. Uh, maybe you've got a like a pretty baller uh, home theater system set up. Mm. It's so quiet on the uh, on HBO. It's like quiet and dark. It's 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 not optimal if you don't have like a real real setup. I don't think mm, I, it was pretty good on my soundbar TV okay. setup. Um, I didn't have any yeah. trouble with that. I wanna I wanna make you feel bad here for a second. Not not bad because my situation was so good, but I uh, there was a lot of debate about like, and there there historically is about big movies like this, and especially like space epics and shit. Where That's like literally no. my opinion. <laughs> well, you have to see it in a theater is the opinion, right? Like it must be seen in a theater. And then Yeah, although I don't know that Dune in a weird way doesn't quite qualify as a space epic. It really doesn't try to right. sell you on, on the majesty of of an enormous planet. Of ships exploding or Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And so that the, the the debate frequently becomes like, oh well, you shouldn't watch this on your television. You should see it in the movie theater. Well, I I'm here to piss somebody off who's listening because I watched the first third, maybe half, approaching half of this movie on my phone. Oh. <laughs> so. That's pretty grim. That's pretty grim. <laughs> and, then I, and then I transitioned to my computer monitor, which is a nice monitor. So I watched the second half of the movie on a computer well, monitor. No, we'll, we'll, we'll tell, uh, you know, we'll tell Denny. Denny? <laughs> that that you saw it on a nice monitor for the second half, and he'll, I guess, not kill himself. <laughs> um, yeah, I made a good effort to try to see it in theaters, and then I started going through the whole process of like, oh, what time do you want to buy your ticket? Oh, this is where your seat can be. And I was just like, I, you know, saw that I like couldn't do, like, I, I'd have to be surrounded by other people. Yeah. And was just like, ah, and then I have to drive out and I got to be there at the time they want to have tickets. <laughs> like, I have to be there at either 5.30 or 8.30. And it's Austin, just like, you're talking about all movies. You know that, I know, right? I know. And that's the thing. That's the thing now. <laughs> on yeah, I, it's on it's hard to go back. It's, it is hard to go back. I, I will make a pretty solid effort to see it in theaters while I still can. 
my situation was having watched it on my computer. Uh, I watched it opening night or when it dropped on HBO. Uh, I guess that's, I think the same night. Yeah, I think so. And I was just going to kind of check it out. And I just kind of, I got sucked in. I was enjoying myself. I didn't, I didn't lose the capacity to walk away and be like, I'm going to save this for the theater. But I was just like, ah, fuck, I'm here. The theater's over there. Right. Yeah. And, you know. and theoretically, a movie that is good, it will not good, fully yeah. matter. You know, I well, like the enhancing experience. You know, like playing a game with slightly better graphics and a better frame rate is like, I'd rather play through the game in an optimal way. Same with a movie like this. You know, I'd like to have it be a good experience, but uh, if it's something I care about. Um, I just thought I just thought it was clearly kind of balanced for for the theatrical release, uh, you know, because mm-hmm. usually they'll they'll tweak this shit uh, between the theatrical release and the DVD release so mm-hmm. that because um, the, the films are dark and the projectors are bright. So so shit mm-hmm. is like a film is darker and then the sound is obviously balanced much differently because mm-hmm. of those enormous speakers. So I had the I have the suspicion that this is the literal theatrical version and that would be. Part of why I would recommend seeing in theaters if you if you can. Besides, um, I mean, I'm with you, Austin. It's an odd thing uh, where you're like, a good movie should hold up, but theaters are better. <laughs> like, right. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it is a little bit um, contradictory. I wanted yeah. to watch it again before we recorded, but then decided I don't think I'd go for my third viewing to the theater. And then I was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to if you're going to want to see it in the to. theater, yeah. just see it second time in the theater. I agree yeah. with that wholeheartedly. This movie is two hours and thirty five minutes long, which I saw a rumor going around is roughly the runtime of Spider Man No Way Home. Uh, so you can't say it's too long because no. Marvel, Marvel movies, movies are that, that long, long now. So yeah. suck it up. Summer three, summer three hours. Well, it is. It is one of those things. Yeah, like with with these big blockbuster epics that that are becoming the you know increasingly the norm. And well, they've been the norm in a while in a way for a while. But like the huge ones seem to be escalating pace as well. Mm-hmm. Man, if you're gonna be in the theater for three hours and and you got to get there before you gotta, it's becoming this sort of somewhat religious experience. You've got to yeah. come in. You can't have eaten. You can't be full of water. Uh, Your body's it's not, water. Yeah, it's Your not body like has a to casual, be prepared. It's not like a casual thing. It's not like, oh, we're around the town. Let's go see a movie. I guess we could see a movie or do something else. It's like, no, we are prepared to do this specific thing. Like you're running a marathon or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and it's interesting. I think that's that experience is directly proportional to the the size and fortitude of one's bladder. Because speaking as a camel... Uh, who can drink whatever and still for sure make it three hours without having to pee. Uh, I'm usually fine, but it, what sucks is the sitting. Like, you're in one spot sitting for three hours, just like, ugh, like, I want to stretch. But like, they don't give you an, soup. They don't give you an intermission in the middle of these movies. No, like, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's let's hit the hit the high levels. Like, what did we, what did we think? Did we yeah. enjoy our experience? Uh, let's just give yes or no's. I mean, like as, yeah. as easy as that is. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I have, I think, the most biased uh, reaction. <laughs> uh, sure. But uh, but yeah. Yeah, it's good. It is good. It, it is good. Yeah. I mean, you could stop listening now if you don't want spoilers. <laughs> I mean, we, we talked a bit about movies. We talked a bit about our experience. Yeah. And you and now you have you have the I've read Dune Boys, re- like not review, but like 
go see it, you know, the, the, the seal of endorsement. It's also yeah. possible you may have not listened to any of our book chapter episodes, and this is your, like, <laughs> one episode. Um, yeah, oh, no. And in that case, uh, you should start from the beginning. And and I think it'll be you really should. interesting. I think it'll be really interesting to to kind of get like again. It's like I, you know I, I watched the Dune movie and I was really interested by it, but I want more context around the Sardaukar or you know things mm, that they sort of mm-hmm. touched on. And uh, then and you might get that from our podcast. You will no, you absolutely <laughs> will. You will absolutely get some of that, um, and it'll save you like <laughs> six hours of of you know wikiing or God forbid reading the book. Uh, which we hear are very against. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> two thirds against. I loved it. I I really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah. I'm I'm really so so. This is this is the question again. Having very recently just hit stop on the movie, the question that I have walked away from sort of boiling in is: Did I? enjoy this movie more for having had done this podcast and having gotten the context from Rory about the book. Did I walk in sort of knowing what I was getting into? Did that help me understand bits that I might not have understood if I came in fresh? Like all those sorts of things. Like have I been poisoned or would someone walking in dry be completely nonplussed by this content? Sure. I, so I, uh, I don't know about nonplus. I know a few people who have watched it having no experience, uh, and I'm not like fishing for their reviews. Um, I mm-hmm. think that the having read it or having at least done I've read Dune is a boon because you know there's a there's a decent amount of uh, slow paced meandering that uh, mm-hmm. you want to know is going to pay off, and you want to know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I and will they say, do not explain everything. No. No. I, nor does I, I the will, book. True. True. And I will say that there is, I don't, it, for, first of all, it's impossible to say really if it was hindered or helped by the source material just because we don't, you know, we can't go back in time and watch it fresh. But, yeah. you know, yeah, it we, does we change, it does change the way that I watch. You know, like whenever I know the source material for something, it definitely changes my, sort of end goal or my my enjoyment factor and it's just different it's not necessarily better or worse it's just different because now suddenly i am watching to to understand the adaptation sure and not to sort of be swept Swept away away. in the same way right or you know you're watching with some like i don't know concerns or like oh are they gonna get this in or oh you know and, and so the analytical brain is turned on a little more oh man i really hope they talk about desert power Oh, yes, <laughs> you're in luck. You're in luck. <laughs> oh, it's so funny because they, I couldn't believe that it just keep, they just keep it line for line. Not, I mean, I don't know, think it's, I don't remember if it's a, if the whole passage, the whole line of dialogue from Leto is a direct quote, but it, it's close. And why not just spice up that language a little bit? Well, <laughs> Desert Power is so goofy to, to, to hit home <laughs> twice, once really early, like really early in the movie. And it's the second to last line of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. desert power and it's yeah. just like this is the goofiest <laughs> fucking two words i i gotta say i do kind of uh, i i'm kind of impressed by in some ways the way that they like so assuredly blast forward with with so much faithfulness to the book i agree like, yeah. it is it is yeah. clear that 
there was a lot of care and a lot of love for the book, like a lot of love for the book. So what's funny to me is because, so, yeah. I mean, it was funny on a couple levels because we specifically had a fun chat about desert power because t- I just think it's silly. Um, and then the fact that it came it up in the silly. movie uh, was, was so hilarious. I think it is silly. And, and yeah, it's just like, I think the easy choice is to change it. I agree with you. I liked, I, I agree with your assessment that it was fun that they kept the, the lower, the lower hanging fruit of the, yeah. of the Dune tree. I mean, you keep expecting a an adaptation 60 years later to sort of update everything with like skateboard tricks, you know, with like <laughs> the metaphorical <laughs> skateboard tricks to everything, you know, and like, yeah, and I did. They didn't. And modern really. slang like that, that way that they fucking like always try and inject like like there's modernity in it. Right. Like like this is a 2021 movie. Uh, It has, but most of that comes through in just like people's accents, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're not, they're not doing the thing that we would have done in the eighties and probably did. I've not seen David Lynch's Dune, but right. Like we can now, that's a project, that's a project that I'll want to do at some point. But like, I I assume this sort of movie in another era would have done all British accents, for instance, right? Or like a bunch of other weird artifice that goes along with the genre and how we accept that genre. Well, tell you what, other adaptations, all white people. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So like, I, I appreciated that Duke Leto and his son are just modern American accents in a way. Like, we don't need to put extra artifice on this to say this is a serious fantasy film. Uh-huh. We just talk. Like, like that sort of, that sort of like so, modern aesthetic is there, but the, the datedness of the content is still sort of intact in a way that doesn't suck. Yeah, on the same page. A completely fictional addition to the film that I liked. Well, there were, there were a couple, but um, I thought that they did... Uh, in the context of what we have read for the podcast, because later, obviously, you know, more is more is revealed or there's subtext that is just kind of difficult to get into without, you know, breaking down uh, the entire like backstory of Dune that's in the appendices and stuff. Um, I thought that <laughs> right. they did a, 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 a pretty good job introducing the political intrigue. They abridged some of it, too, but like understanding yeah. why Leto's going to Arrakis made more sense in the film i thought mm, and why mm-hmm. it's a problem that he's and why inheriting it's a problem like, yeah this this like because on the page and i know i remember grappling with this when you were explaining it to us like it is like you're inheriting you're being gifted the planet that has all of the most rare resource that we all need for our wizards and shit you're gonna make bank like why does that suck and then realizing why and having Duke having fucking what is it? It's Oscar Isaac is his name, yeah. right? I'm yeah. having a brain fart. Having Oscar Isaac like just say at the beginning, like, yeah, the emperor thinks both us and the Harkonnens are getting too powerful. So he's doing this to fuck with us and force us to fight so that we both suffer. And takes them both on their turf, right? The Baron's yeah. off of Arrakis, yeah. which he owns, and, and uh, Leto's off of Kaladin, which he owns. So like. Nobody yeah, has the it, home field advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was cool. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say, Austin, the, the addition I really liked was in the book, there's a lot of nuanced communication between people who either have Mentat powers or, uh, or, or witch powers, Bene Gesserit powers, that are sort of untranslatable to film. 
And I thought they came up with a pretty mm-hmm. pretty good solution. It's this sort of like secret sign language. Oh, you language. mean the, the sign oh, language? Yeah, the yeah. sign language. Yeah. Yeah. That was so cool. That was, was so cool. cool. I, I liked I, it. I, was, I had that on a list to ask you whether or not that's just something that you'd never brought up or if it was invented for the movie. And I like um, that. I don't um, believe... If it's if they mention that there's like some hand signals, it's a throwaway line. But they do not mention an entire ASL that they've that they use. Iraqi right. and Arakeen sign language ASL. <laughs> yes, Arakeen sign language. <laughs> yeah, there were definitely a lot of cuts to the amount of barren scheming, the amount of like, you know, like UA takes a huge cut in the movie. Yeah, um, and that is obviously is by intention. It is, but it's also you can see what they're going for. You know that we we learn about it at the same time that Leto does when he gets darted. Yeah, you know, and yeah, all that those dramatic dramatic irony moments that we were I don't know maybe half complaining about a little bit in the book, right? Are made just reveals, and that's interesting. It's an interesting. It is. It is because you can only explain something so many times, and. You know, there's just, there's so much to get out. And the fact that they cut all of the, like, there's a traitor, there's a traitor. Oh, are you the traitor? Let's figure out who's the traitor. Well, he can't be the traitor because he's got special, he's got a special diamond on his face. And that means he can't be the traitor. You know, it's like, oh, and you know, I'm doing this. And, you know, it's just like, I get, I get why they cut it. Me too. There's no perfect solution to to keep it would, I think, require um, a pretty... A pretty dour number of scenes, uh, a number mm-hmm. of pretty dour mm-hmm. scenes of just like explaining shit. And and the whole time, I think that's important to remember, the reader is perfectly aware of the entire situation. And so while you you may consider there, there to be a certain amount of dramatic irony, I didn't feel the tension, really. It felt a little farcical. Yeah. In the uh, book or in the movie? In the book. It, in, not the book. Far, in, in the book. Yeah, it's just. Because some of what you, some of UA's, some of the nuance of, of UA's predicament is really not explained in the book that you find out later in the appendices. Like, for example, he yeah. didn't actually break his conditioning in, in the book, which goes against what I think the reader can reasonably assume, because it seems very much like he's betraying the Duke, which he's not supposed to be able to do. Right. Um, supposedly, he's just, he's supposed to not literally be able to try and kill him. Which meant that he couldn't have been like the hunter seeker pilot, right? But, but that but makes everybody that he, else look oh. pretty incompetent if he can do that much else, and they still think he's fine. Yeah. So theoretically, uh, putting in the bomb <laughs> tooth was the closest thing he could do to to actually hurting the duke. Huh. Interesting. And and that's uh, that to me was is not clear in the book, and right. it's it's not really clear in, no. the, in the movie. But what you get in the movie is clearer motivations. You have a character who. I fucking loved him and he should have had more screen time. So yeah. that's part of the downside of cutting yep. this intrigue. Um, yep. Yeah. But he had, there's plausible deniability that he thought Wana was alive and what he can do with his imperial conditioning. It, it, it tracked a little yeah. more logically. Yeah. I, um, I, I fully agree. I actually like that change quite a lot. Even, even though, even though it represents a big cut and it means that we don't get, like we don't get a, a a number of things, including that fun dinner with the pirate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't get the pirate. I know we don't get the <laughs> dinner pirate. scene. I know. Also, um, I'm going to complain about this right now. I'm going to complain really loudly. 
No one ever says Piter or Peter's name out loud. He's in the subtitles. It says it says that he's talking, and it says it's like written out in the subtitles, like Piter. But no one says it out loud, so we still don't fucking know how to say it. And I'm so mad. <laughs> I know, I know, but I did appreciate the actor. It's David Deslamakian, who is the uh, mm-hmm. the, the Russian guy in Ant Man. Uh, he's very he's a very fun actor. Yeah. I like his stuff. I Although like they they did, cut but... a lot of the horniness from the Mentats. Yes, yes, but you can still get it from his whole energy. They don't even say the word mentat, and they don't explain what a mentat is at all. No. I, I know, I know. Yeah, there's um, a lot of Hawat and Piter missing. Um, Hawat, I'm sure we may get more Hawat in the next movie. Um, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they they gutted him. And they, and for, for that matter, Gurney Halleck is really not Gurney, that much more present. Also. Also, Gurney, I wonder if they're saving some some extra Gurney scenes because because Gurney sort of disappears. Gurney, I don't think we get confirmation of Gurney dying. I think he just no, sort of is, no, is fighting in the, the last time in the siege. Yeah, exactly. That's the last time we see Gurney. And then we. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, we never go back to Arakeen after that for like the camera doesn't. So we don't we don't get to see. Um, so. But the the silver lining in that is. It does bring Paul and Duncan's relationship to the forefront, mm-hmm. where before he kind of uh, seems yes. like he's surrounded by just a group of his dad's friends. Yeah. In the book, I, I didn't really feel that on the page he's closest with Duncan. Right. But I like that they really sort of put a it pin that in choice. that. Yeah. 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 Also, um, and I, again, spoilers for the movie. Um, I don't believe, and I listened <laughs> to the episode again, but we never got confirmation that Duncan died in the book, at least in the chapters we read. Is that correct? No, no, there's no confirmation that he's alive or dead. Yeah, the camera falls out, follows Paul out the out the door, so to speak, and uh, and we never get to we never get to see it. But right. yeah, it is it is rough because in many ways, in fact, perhaps the most true way, this is Duncan Idaho's movie. And he's <laughs> just constantly the fucking ray of light. He's so attractive. He's so strong. He beats the shit out of everyone. Paul loves him. The only times Paul smiles are when Duncan comes out of an ornithopter. Like, yeah, it's yeah, it is Duncan's movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and while we're on that note, um, a lot of a lot more thopter content that I thought we'd get. That was very nice. They're very cool. Mm. I liked their design. Um both familiar yeah. and alien this sort of dragonfly look that was really cool all the designs everywhere are good yeah 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 and a lot is uh it, it was uh, a departure from 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 denny's uh i would say much more geometrical like designs if both in arrival and blade runner to have you know he's kind of mm-hmm. sphere ships and boxes like basic shapes i think are pretty prominent in his sci-fi films Mm. And and they and they were in Dune. Dune had some some sphere ships or some oval ships. Had some sphere ships. The Bene Gesserit had had a big sphere ship. Yeah, um, and then and then uh, kind of clashing with the architecture of the other of the rest of the spaceport is the Dragonfly Ornithopters. Yeah, yeah, but they were very cool. <laughs> they are cool. Um, also, um, you know, you definitely feel the lack of blood. You definitely feel the PG thirteen. The mm. lack of blood, but they do this hollow shield thing where it goes red when it gets a, a kill. Um, and I thought that yeah. was a really clever visual workaround to not having blood spurts in the movie, 
but to still be visually communicative communicative of of a kill you know and it was satisfying it made for some really cool visuals with the fight yeah it was an interesting choice because i feel like on one hand i mean how many viewers are you really adding with you know that are that are 13 yeah uh, um i know it's probably got to be a warner decision you know that's what i was gonna say but but it is a tough sell to do this sort of like grand sci-fi epic that has almost no that has pretty little action it's already and, completely inaccessible really yeah. <laughs> it's like why so, <laughs> so that's sort of yeah my split feeling on one hand it's so inaccessible like what's the point but also i can see why there would be some pushback to try to make it as accessible as possible yeah yeah um there was another another big cut that i noticed was and maybe not cut as much as just sort of a a a, a different different look or, or just a deprioritization. Maybe they'll focus on this in the next movie, but the Fremen water culture stuff, uh-huh. I found some of the most fascinating bits of world building. From yeah. Them. The, um, the sort of the side Fremen we meet early and some that aren't side, some of them are just Stilgar earlier, um, are not nearly as present, mm-hmm. but also just the, like the idea of them harvesting people for water and just like draining <laughs> them like vampires and sort of having this kind of, I don't know, this sort of scary initial impression of Fremen uh, being a, these like water suckers. You know, that's an inference on my part, but it's well supported. They don't okay. necessarily uh-huh. literally drink blood, but well, right. I mean, to to get the body's water, to get the body's moisture. I don't know. Maybe you can just wrap somebody up in a still suit and let it let the suit kind of fill up its sack. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe they have to sort yeah. of cut. You know, cut your throat and well, I mean, like a, their device into that. that. Put that little nose thing into their throat. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'll say at the end of the movie, we see them taking Jameis. Jameis. I don't remember how they say it. They said we see them taking Jameis's body. Uh, they, they've wrapped him in what looks like a sort of purpose-built little sack for dead bodies mm-hmm. uh, that yeah. they're walking with, and you know, it raises questions because we don't. We the last shot of the movie is them all walking off after having after the fight between Paul and Jameis, um, and they're walking off into the desert. So we don't get to see what they do with his dead body, the credits roll. Um, but I, I guess, I guess I kind of agree with you, Austin. I, what I, what I think is lacking from this movie. I mean, I loved it. I loved it. I had a really great time. I actually don't have many problems with it, but if I thought that if I was going to say one little thing that's sort of across the board from a design decision and a way that it's shot, etc., I, did not believe that Arrakis was hot. No, I certainly... Mm, interesting. Part of that, part of that is color grading. Part of that is like, no one's visibly sweating when they're outside of their still suits. No one's like, like there's a lot of like, not yeah, doing there's, heat. There's one scene right where they're, they're instructed to return indoors, like, because it's high noon and you just can't be outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I generally agree. Um, and, and I think part of it is practical because I think on Arrakis, it 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 it, uh, it stands to reason that it would be a slightly more nocturnal, yeah, habitat, um, similar to how you know how the desert works and you know uh, on Earth. And part of it is Denny's um, obsession with filming so filming scenes like in twilight at dawn at dusk. It, that's just a visual motif uh-huh. that goes through his films, but it's always, it's just, it's always that one of those times for the mm. most part. <laughs> Blade Runner's night a lot. Arrival's got some daytime. 
Enemy's Night, yeah, Prisoner's yeah. Night, Sicario's Night. <laughs> He's a nighttime man. Yeah. I guess I guess even just a few in the like establishing shots and the big sort of wide shots that were flying around with like all these things. Like they do a great job with the the sand and like the dust in the air. Yeah. But just some of that, some of that like shimmering in the distance because it's hot that you expect from it, real life experience of what hot desert places look like and and just seeing it in people's acting and people's faces like I didn't believe anything was hot which I think I is part of the that. reason that that the Fremen water stuff kind of doesn't hit as hard for me like no, the first time that we see Stilgar that's real like he he spits and like everyone's like, what the fuck? But it, he, you know, he's making that like, oh, I'm giving you some of my body's water as a show of respect. And they all spit back. But the scene takes place indoors. And so there's not any stakes in that moment. And you're told like, oh, yeah, body's water. And everyone says stuff about water. And they talk about the still suits. I, I just don't think it was reinforced with the design. And I think that. No, that I agree. It, it could it could not just, as easily just be some sort of religious practice as it is a practical one. Yep. Sure. Yeah, I think if we're if we're talking about like, well, I don't know. I think my central conflict with this whole movie, with the whole sort of process, is that by adapting half a book, your movie is half a book, <laughs> and yep. and in that yeah. regard, it is not a sort of complete narrative experience. No, it's it's it is not. I mean, it, and and. Uh... I think that is somewhat unavoidable with Dune because as I as I mentioned to you guys I think at least once the book just doesn't follow a a, a nice little hero's journey it's just mm -hmm. not structured that way and so even if you told the whole story over whatever that is 4 hours 5 hours um you would not have a nice act 1 act 2 act 3 right yeah and and by being really true to the book um it is again, it is half of that book. Like yeah. it is really close yeah. to the book in so many ways, from what I can tell, just like from each plot beat happening, like the way these things happen. Um, you know, and and me, I guess maybe expecting that they were gonna really goof around with it to make it like to make part one feel like it was like, you know, had an exciting finish and things like that. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. it kind of did. I mean, I mean, an actual sort of fight to the death was sort of the highest stakes moment in the show or yes. in the movie. Right. Yeah. But I guess, I guess, you know, it, I got to the end of it and just feeling, oh, okay, well, that's that's where they're ending the I story, tend to, you I, know? I tend to agree. Uh, I also found it funny um, they that now that now you guys are aware of this, because uh, the, in, the, in the movie they don't get to Paul's uh, uh, Fremen name. The taking of Muad'Dib. No. Um, yes. Right. And so there are these there are these symbolic moments where we just see the desert mouse jumping around, and it's nice. Yeah, it's, we just see Paul liking a mouse, and there's no payoff yeah. in this movie. <laughs> I know. No. It's it's nice for anybody who knows what what that is about. Right. Uh, it's a payoff. Uh, can you imagine? So, of the things that we've mentioned for a viewer who hasn't read Dune or isn't familiar with, I've read Dune with Rory Boy. I think most of it is compatible with seeing the film in two years. I don't think they're going to remember a couple <laughs> shots of a mouse. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think that's going to pay off very well. Though it being 2021 and 2023 or whatever, like, I think there's a reasonable expectation that 
anyone who's going to go see the next movie probably is like, oh, I'll rewatch the first one before I go. Sure. You as know? soon as the trilogy is complete, similar to Lord of the Rings, it's no longer a sort of three separate entities. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And clearly that is sort of the ultimate design for this. Yeah. For this series, you know, is is that kind of idea. Um, and and I got to I got to respect the like the dedication to yeah, putting the, the book to the on there. This isn't yeah. just like an adaptation of Dune in 2021. This is just an adaptation of Dune. You know, it is. On the same page. So I don't necessarily think that we have to walk through. I mean, if you want to walk through the plot, you can listen to this whole podcast. But, we, you know, I think that if we've got uh, some thoughts about like, oh, I really like this moment. I like these things. Like we can kind of do a, a quick like, you know, first chunk of the movie, middle chunk of the movie, last chunk of the movie, like thoughts. Um. So the beginning, uh, I would say probably up through like getting settled on Arrakis, uh, I think the phone has one of the strongest moments, (laughs) (laughs) the phone part. Yeah. The part you watched on your phone. Yes. The part that I watched on the phone. I think one of the strongest parts of this movie, and it should be, it's the part that's in common culture. Uh, is the scariest old woman, Gaius Helen Mohayim, doing the Gom Jabbar. Uh She's intense, and the voice is spooky as fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really liked it. It is a yeah. good scene. And we get to see Jessica fucking freaking out outside the door, and I really liked having that context as well. Me too, although it, it leads into, I think, my primary complaint of the film, and I, and I would assume a very common one, is... By removing all of the inner dialogue that is possible from a novel uh, and just seeing Jessica's outer reactions and outer uh, actions, uh, we've taken quite a bit of her power away in the mm. film. Mm-hmm. She's kind yep. of a she's kind of a weeby mess, and it's I love seeing actresses who can nail that or actors and of all you know yeah yeah. But I I did think that on two levels. There, there's payoff in the in the trilogy for that. Like for one, I think by not making her so constantly competent and smart and uh, able to able to do whatever needs to be done, we create a higher, a much stronger juxtaposition when she goes off. Both her scene in the ornithopter with the uh, Baron's men, and at the end when she takes Stilgar are very yeah. effective. Yeah. yeah. When she yep. when she goes off, she goes fucking off. And it was fun to see that. Right. Totally. Yeah. For a character who ha- she does actually have quite a bit of inner monologue about, you know, crying. And I uh, whether she's actually crying or just thinking about noticing other people cry and kind of having opinions on that. If you have opinions about <laughs> crying, like you're probably kind of weepy, right? Like uh, people who don't cry all the time just don't even uh-huh. think about it. For the most part. Yeah, they're not thinking about it. Agreed. So I think that's a reasonable inference that maybe she's a little bit, you know, a little soft in the eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, and by by cutting a lot of the um, the palace intrigue trader stuff, that's also removing a, a large chunk of her sort of early, early game protagonist energy. Of course. Yeah. Because, you know, she really was yeah. leading that. And there was like the whole thing about her finding that secret room with the other Benny Jesuit and like all of this kind of stuff that just doesn't now have a place for Lady Jessica. Oh, yeah. yeah the page. weirding room. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I think I think I in the end, I really liked I don't 
who's the actress who's portraying her? It's, I've uh, Rebecca her Ferguson, name. I think. Rebecca Ferguson. I I really like her performance. What it it, it I, I think it just smacks of some of that same stuff we've been talking about, where like when you remove some of the context that the book gives you, some of it is like if you've never seen the book, if you've never read the book before and you're seeing this movie cold, I imagine watching her freak out outside of that room and some of her reactions to certain things are a little bit like trying to read the bones. Like, I don't understand the motivations here because no one's explained them to me in a right. way that I can understand. Right. And I st- having having had Rory tell me all this stuff, I liked it. And I actually really liked her. Uh, I liked getting to see that she is a part of a very scary, spooky organization that she fully believes in, but is also sort of bucking against and that we get to see uh, the Reverend Mother like doing her own sort of like, you know, interest with uh, with Baron Harkonnen. Sort of we get to see their meeting where she's like, don't kill uh, Jessica and Paul. And like, I, I like the visions into the Benny Jesuit that we get and the fact that we sort of feel like Jessica believes in it, but is still sort of a, a, a cog. Um, and that Paul is a little bit suspicious of it. Like having that dynamic on screen was cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I thought it was neat. Like there's a scene where she's like, um, I don't remember what the, what the literal lines were, but like, you know, they've been greeted like, like a mother and child of prophecy when they arrive and Paul's like yeah so they think we're from the prophecy and she's like yeah they believe it you know we've done a lot of should the Bene Gesserit have done work here and he's like yeah they believe it because they were told to believe it mom like (laughs) (laughs) it's like like okay yeah like all right Paul's questioning his own his own prophecy boy status and I like it yeah so let's yeah let's segue to them being on Arrakis yes I really enjoyed the scene with the palm trees, um, with the the water. Oh yeah, the water dipper, the well dipper. Not not no, that's that's uh, shout out Mapes, uh, well dipper. Shout out Mapes, uh, which they did include. Very nice, um, <laughs> uh, and, and a Chris knife. Um, which mm-hmm. is the tooth of a sandworm? Is that in? Is that in the book? That the Chris knife? I don't know how much I want to say because I don't know that I remember if it is. It could be. Sure. Uh, I don't I don't specifically remember if that is an invention. Yeah. Um, but really effective storytelling to sort of show like, wow, this palace has like these palm trees that need a ton of water. And it's like, well, you can just not do that. No, 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 no. They're very important. <laughs> like they're important to the like the dream of what we want to do, you know, of like a future. Yeah. Green Arrakis. Like, I don't know. It's just like that's really effective visual storytelling for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I loved Liet Kynes. I love Dr. Kynes. In this. Yes, she's, she's so very good. cool. She's, she's so, so cool. good. Yeah. You get yeah. you get a strong sense of her like torn loyalties as well. So mm-hmm. an interesting uh, thing with Dr. Kynes, they cut her uh, you, in her death scene. Yes, her death uh, is you different. Were, her death is different. Yeah. But it's different for I mean, it's different in the way that she doesn't have the long conversation with the ghost of her father. Right. Um, and then they sort of mm-hmm. stole the drum sand to put underneath Paul, which was all that is is sort of fine to me, except and I like that she took she took some jabronis down with her. It gave it was yeah. a much more powerful. Death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, however, it did do, uh, and I didn't mention it in in the in the podcast actually because I think I've been establishing this in other in other ways in other conversations. 
but it's it, it's not explicit on the page until here, really explicit, that um, her dad says that, you know, the worst thing for Arrakis, or the worst thing, yeah, the worst thing for Arrakis would be, you know, a false, a false hero. And um, mm-hmm. I think that sets, we've, there's a lot of pandering to how, how dope Paul is, right? In, in the film and the book. And it's it's a yeah. it's a it's a wrinkle in that narrative that this is going to be the story of a white boy who saves the day. Yeah. Again, this being the adaptation of how much of the book it is, I think that the people who are going to watch this movie and feel very strongly that we're doing another white savior, I don't know that this movie gives them a lot of counter fuel. It, does, to, it, it doesn't. To and, like, and I and in the context of a trilogy. That's fine to me in the context of real right. time where they're now going to believe this for two years is a bummer. Uh-huh. It is. And they're probably not going to see number two, right? <laughs> if you're pissed about <laughs> right, it for two right. years. Yeah. Cause I feel like the sense that I've gotten from you has been like this, this kid has been, and maybe this is, maybe this, maybe I'm bringing my own baggage to this and I'm inferring things that you haven't said, but like i I get the sense that Paul is inheriting a mantle he didn't ask for. And he's, we, we in the movie, we see him seeing alternate possible futures that don't come to pass. And, you know, we're, there's this guy is being sort of shoved into a position that is almost impossible. And that that's an interesting angle. Like he's not a he's not a savior. Like the like the visions he's having are of a galaxy wide war. And he's terrified. Right. Um, he also has like, a line in the, in about in the movie. We see him freaking out. That there's like yelling his name. He's like, I don't want this in my name. Yeah, <laughs> right. There's also a line where he mentions like, oh, we're just like another invading, you know, like he was just like, we're, we're just mm-hmm. like another group of people invading their homeland and taking their shit. You know, like he has he has some, I say, it, but some quote woke, I guess some slightly more woke comments that, you know, that uh-huh. sort of help help us sort of get some way to, to being on Paul's side. They help um, you. They help you if you if you want it. I think. Yeah, yeah. If you watch this movie without without context and just see him, it's still kind of if, if you know it doesn't really actually do much to the to the to the uh, the argument against it because he's sort of the gentle colonist. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. <laughs> That's really no better. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Even if, if you trip over your fortune, it's still your fortune. And, you know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I didn't want it, but I guess I took your stuff. Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, the other, the, the, one of the big sequences in the middle is we have the, like the spice harvester, the crawler that, uh, yeah, they do the that's, rescue. That's a, that's, good a, that's a big, that's a cool sequence. I like the, uh, the balloons yeah. Were the balloons always part of it in the book or is that a, is that a design adaptation they made for the movie? Uh, that's again, I'm not positive. If, if it's in the book, it's a throwaway line. I, I sure. don't, I don't believe given how, how strongly they've adhered to so much that it's out of thin air. Um, but I don't remember if they tell us in that moment that those, that um, they airlift all of their crawlers and yeah, I got the impression that, uh, help was not, there's definitely not that scene where the, the airlifter like fumbles and that's why right. Leto needs to right. come to action mm-hmm. um that i thought was a good little bit of visual storytelling that cleaned up a, a pretty big coincidence mm, well and also the the 
clarification that the Harkonnens like probably sabotage their gear yeah. for the for the Atreides to come in. And I thought that was a really cool, cool addition as well. They're just like, yeah, yeah, you can take our gear, but it's going to fucking suck. So they might mm-hmm. have these airlift ships, but they were not in that scene. Yeah. Those airlift blips. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. I, uh, I I really I really like that scene. I like how they uh I mean, all right, we've gone this long without saying it, but that beard they put on Duke Leto is pretty nice, right? Oh, yeah. Good looking beard. Um at the uh at the the spice refinery, I thought that so uh shit starts to go go uh, tits up. Um Paul is mm-hmm. has sort of gone gone out of the ship way beyond the line of scrimmage to try to help people. And then Gurney has to go get him. This is, this is such a minor little thing. And I'm hoping you guys caught it. Uh, Cause it's not going to translate to good, to good radio. Gurney goes and gets him and they run back to the ornithopters. And there's a, a wide shot of them running across the desert. And uh, Josh Brolin in that scene looks like an alien who learned to run from watching YouTube videos. It's, it's <laughs> really, it's, 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 it's like lumbering and kind of overly mechanical, the sort of swinging his arms too hmm. much. I'm sure it's because you're running in the sand and, and then in the suit. Act- mm-hmm. and in the suit. And I'm sure that, but you know, in this sort of wide shot and they're almost silhouetted, it just looks fucking goofy. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I didn't really notice. Actually, this is, this is a weird small thing about that scene sequence while we're there. I, uh, I fully appreciated the way that this sort of translated. I, I, I again, I'm sure some of this is described in the book, but these sandworms, the Shai Halud, uh, they are they're so big, and the way that they move through the ground, it causes these like intense vibrations everywhere around, like like really intense vibrations, and what we actually see happening, which I thought was fascinating is like a real thing that happens in like earthquakes and other sort of stuff in like in, in on our planet, you know, in real life, uh, which is like soil liquefaction where like yeah. the, yeah. the like intense vibrations of something can take otherwise, you know, something like sand or soil and like vibrate it to the point where you can just fall through it. Like yeah, it just moves liquid. like water. Yeah. Like, yeah, like just, just wildly terrifying. And, as they're running away and the sandworm is approaching, like we see it happening and their feet are just like sinking into the sand. And I was like, my gut was turning. I was like, Oh yeah. Also a good little bit of real science. Like you have to, it, it gives so much credibility to how these things move through the sand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that that comes up in the book, but it hasn't been really laid out that their vibrations cause liquefaction and that's how they move through the sand that has not been spelled out in the book at least at this point right in our, in our I reading also gotta say i feel like the cg um the quality of the cg felt flawless to me like i oh it's, it's very yeah, rarely I did i notice something that just like looked very computery you it, know it all just felt extremely believable it was if i had really to good. if i had to credit um a reason is because never is it used as with the exception of the sandworm, but luckily as a sort of mythical creature that is completely fictional and uh, and sort of monstrous and, and fantastical, it kind of easy to animate, you know, the way that a, a, a CG bird might seem sort of off-putting. Mm-hmm. Right, um, right. 
none of the none of the CG I don't think is ever trying to take the spotlight from the actors in the space. Yeah. It's, and so it's really easy to just let it be beautiful background shit, which is it's what CG is well best implemented. at. Yeah. 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 I th- I think and obviously you never consciously forget that the sandworms aren't real and they didn't just film sandworms. <laughs> but I think some lower, lower part of my mind was, was so fooled. I didn't like, I didn't trip those usual wires. Like yeah. I, they're watching they're, the sandworm on screen is like, yeah, that's a fucking sandworm. Yeah. I mean, the sand just looks real, right? It's the, uh, it's that, it's that initial buy-in. If you, if you accept that there are giant sandworms, these are an acceptable facsimile of that. They're not, this isn't Thanos. This isn't a, a, a thing that cannot be, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it can uh-huh. be. It, Than, Thanos and the worm are, are equally fictitious, but like, it's not kind of rubbing Welcome your nose. Welcome back to Thanos and the worm. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's not rubbing your nose in it. It's not adding more and more. You know, it's like something that I found annoying about the Spider-Man uh, iterations, it, whether that's the, an Avengers film or whatever, was the sort of like Iron Man suit. I like him having a real costume. It's, that they've mm-hmm. added in sparkly shit to to be this to take the spotlight, right? That's uh-huh. what it does. Wow, right. this is so cool. Yeah. And the only thing that gets that treatment in all of Dune is is intentionally the sandworm and unintentionally the orthopters. Yeah. 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 It's it's just smart <laughs> smart implementation of all their different tools. Um yeah. so I would like to talk about the um the assault on the the cap the red wedding you know the uh <laughs> the 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 harkonnen sardaukar attack because i did not yeah, i yeah. guess i didn't realize and maybe this wasn't exactly i didn't realize it was like a full orbital bombardment basically i didn't realize yeah. it was like a full i think i mentioned it but it is it's one of those things where in the book sometimes it just has a single sentence that says and then there's bombs shooting the building <laughs> you know it's like that's big visually, but yeah, narratively, yeah. it's it, it can get absorbed by the rest of the text. Yeah. Well, especially when the actual like drama of those scenes is UA talking. Yeah, it's to, locked in on the to, characters. Uh, uh, you know. Yeah, like you you you're worried about what's happening to the characters, and we're not. You know, in a movie, we need to give time to Gurney Halleck yelling and running with an army out towards a bunch of landing drop troopers from the Sardaukar ships. Like shit's wild out there, but like it's that's not that's not you know that's not story. That's movie. That's exciting yeah. movie. I I did think that visually the raid made a lot more sense. Like that there's things that. You know, in the theater of the mind, you still have to imagine, and you can imagine it wrong. Like, mm-hmm. where yeah. are the Sardaukar logistically? What, right. like, what, what, par- how much of this invasion force are they? Like, it's that's something that's difficult to portray on the page, and I and I thought it was uh, quite well shown on the book or <laughs> uh, in the movie where um, we see that sort of we see the legion. Like, it's yeah. big, but we see yeah. exactly how big it is. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's extra different. It's extra different for Austin and I too, because like not only not only th- there's like an extra layer for for our podcast where you're reading the book, the theater of mind is happening in your mind. You're oh, then redisseminating that to us, and then we theater of the mind what you've told us after yeah, your you're totally of the getting mind. it telephoned. <laughs> um, yeah. Although I do think that the Sardaukar are slightly less impressive in the film. Uh, the gravitas of their of their savagery is mentioned 
but boy, do we mostly mm-hmm. get scenes of them losing. <laughs> sure. I, I could have used some extra scenes on their throat singing Homeworld. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, that was yeah. cool. And even the scene where we assume is the death of Duncan Idaho, uh, we get we, we see him get plenty of licks in, right? Like, yeah. And we've seen we know that he can beat Sardaukar. He's uh, he's he's renowned. He's as renowned as Hawat in his in his skill of the blade. But he's also um, one of the only people we see fighting in the movie. Exactly. Exactly. There's the context uh, does not appear that the Sardaukar are very terrifying, and by extension, you lose you lose the impact of the Fremen beating them. Right. Totally. Yeah. Um. I guess so. We haven't really talked much about the Baron himself. Um, I, mm. I quite enjoyed his look and his gravity suspenders, um, yeah. and his many baths. Uh, that was, so that was, I think the question I fielded the most from people who haven't, who haven't read the book was like, sister, just fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, and like, he's in this sort of like odd long dress that when he flies very high in the room, like it drags along the floor. It's visually awesome. Yeah. It, but then the, then the question is like. Does he have? Imagine they have not mentioned the gravity suspenders once. You're like, does he just have long ass no. legs? Well, you like, see little things on the back <laughs> of his body, but again, they don't mention it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I. So there's two sequences where we really get to see his luxurious long nightgown that reaches all the way to the floor, <laughs> even when he's flying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them is in his like, you know, Darth Vader sanctum, and he's having a meeting. Maybe he sleeps in the gravity suspenders. Either way, it's funny. Because he has to dress himself in that enormous gown, like he's got to just like wiggle through it, like uh, Home, like Homer's a like a, rebir- <laughs> like a rebirthing ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> but later in the movie, when he's come down and he's got Duke Leto and and UA, and he's doing his whole villain shtick, I actually this was this was so funny to me. Uh, there's a shot from behind because Leto has been stripped naked for you know. I guess evil reasons. Oh, is that what we guys gonna say? Are we gonna talk about Oscar Oscar Isaac's nude scene? The peen of a the peen <laughs> of a gentleman. We don't see peen. The Arakeen Arakeen peen. The Arakeen peen. Uh, His he's he's Sorry. like you know. <laughs> uh yeah he's he's sort of splayed out on a chair paralyzed and he's naked and the shot is from behind his like naked shoulder and we can see the baron at the end of this long table uh in soft focus uh way in the background of the shot and then we see him fly and it was like slender man like, I know it's go. Cool. It was very, it was very spooky and upsetting, and it gave me Slenderman vibes. Just so ironic, given how like corpulent the Baron is, but like just the way that he just kind of vertically floats up and his clothes elongate is is definitely effective. It it's is effective. spooky as yeah. shit. Speaking of like spooky, I like it. I like um, it. Uh, Leto's nude scene. I mean, I can't think of many examples in film where a nude scene just feels that. If not humiliating, like literally naked, like a nude scene is inherently enough. Uh, obviously, there's all kinds of problems that come with specifics, but like there's often a certain amount of glorifying gaze that these are beautiful people in the peak of their physical like accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And and Oscar Isaac is, is, is an attractive, well, you know, well kept man himself, who I'm sure if we'd seen it would be sporting 
a sensationally <laughs> above average penis. But like that scene, that scene was I thought effective at like he felt naked in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it was everything yeah. the Baron wanted, right? I mean, it's the whole reason he wanted to see yeah. him dressed, literally dressed down and, and humiliated, yeah. The scene that, like, when you said that, the scene that it brought to mind, like, if I'm trying to think of analogs, like, and it and it's not the same, is in Casino Royale when they've got Daniel Craig strapped to that chair and his oh, yeah, balls the... are getting whipped by the knotted rope. Uh-huh. But, but Mads Mikkelsen is whipping that dude's balls with the rope and Daniel Craig is sitting there gritting his teeth and bearing it and looking like just badass. fucking taking it and hot as shit and looking badass. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, the he comparison gets to, that, he gets to still have the power. The par- the comparison on TV that comes to mind to me um, might be uh, might be Cersei's Walk of Shame, Cersei's Walk of Shame totally. in Game of Thrones. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't even, mm-hmm. I don't remember if we saw did. Did we see like any full frontal in that? Oh yeah, in that scene. I, oh, I know yeah. we see full frontal from her character in the show, but. Uh, I didn't remember. Oh like, yeah, how, it's full. How it's, humiliating the scene was. Yeah, it's it's all of it in that one. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably the closest I can think of. That makes sense. It's it's rough. It's rough. And and I will say he gets to turn it around at the end, even though he dies. He does do this the the cracking of that of that nasty bomb. tooth. Does the tooth? Yeah. And and getting to see when they come in later, getting to see the Baron like having retreated up to the corner of the room and like the top corner. This was a cool change in the uh, in the book. He definitely just sort of, you know, pod racers himself out of the room and locks uh-huh. the door Got and it. him like brought low by hovering in the in the corner like some sort like of spider. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And there was also yeah. the, or the like a scared spider. bat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good, and uh, there is an odd spider in the, in the parents' oh, room. Oh God! Oh, it's got like people hands. Oh, it's bad. Oh, the odd spider was bad. <laughs> and, and guys, Helen Mahayam was like, "I need that thing out of here." And they're like, "What? It's just our spider." And she's like, "It's going." And she uses the voice on it to leave. <laughs> I I you saw have a really, nasty spider. I saw an interesting. Um, uh, it was like a tweet or an article that I didn't read or something, but it was talking about how like um, all of the like all of the like quote nerds are who like who have claimed to like sci-fi. This sounds really gatekeepy, but it has a point. It, it was just that like these sort of like quote <laughs> nerds that claim to like sci-fi are like realizing that real sci-fi is like super weird. <laughs> like you know, realizing the yeah. sort of inherent like deep weirdness of hard sci-fi. So I didn't know how to read this because it's not from the book. It doesn't have a clear point other than to be weird. I've read some fan theories that I don't know hold any water. And as somebody who is a, a big fan of, of uh, Denis, I wasn't sure if this wasn't just him, just him nodding to himself for a different <laughs> film that I, is as specific as I'm going to be. If you get it, you get it. I, don't, I can't give away what it is or why sure. it's that. Because uh, sure. this is not the discussion of that movie. Yeah, totally. I appreciate that. That's very kind of you, Rory. One other thing about the Baron um, was that the, again, spoilers, but the reveal that Paul and Jessica are of Harkonnen blood did not happen in this movie. No. So I, I, and I like that. I'm I'm at least fine with that because I think the royal blood sort of lineage stuff is at face value, pretty boring. And especially with like how much uh, how much disdain there is for 
certain royals in the news is sort of like maybe yeah maybe we move away um <laughs> in a, in addition we don't have fade rotha in this film no uh, not yet who, right who, who exists as this sort of counterpart and without fade being explicitly yeah. like like the the fact that that paul and that jessica is is of harkonnen descent is completely arbitrary in the film as it's set up yeah yeah i agree with that yeah. Um, I'm excited for part two when they get Sting back to play Fade Ratha again. Yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> I'm not sure you bring him in at this point. I mean, I'm, I'm interested because he's, he's, you know, he's a good character. Um, but again, if he's not a Shadow Paul, he lacks that sort of literary crunch for existing in the story. Yeah, we may as well just keep Dave Bautista as, as the psychopathic, you know, yeah. the meat, Raban. The meat train or whatever they call him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What, they didn't call him oh. a midnight meat train. They called him what was it, a, a big, a big meat-headed train man. It is something like it. Now you've kind of gotten the. I'm infected with train disease, <laughs> uh, and every word is train. It's called yeah. Batista's disorder. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny insult. And yeah. if you listen to our podcast, you'll hear it or read the yeah. book. Yeah, or read just fucking read the book. Uh, all right. So the the last chunk of this movie is after. The assault and and uh, Paul and Jessica are out in the sand and they meet up with the Fremen. I you know it's all it's all really good. I have to throw it uh, some serious props to um, to Javier Bardem, mm. uh, who's just doing a really fucking good job as Stilgar. Yeah. Made him a very interesting character on the street on the screen. He already is He's interesting great. the way R- Rory has uh, has described him, but Stilgar is fucking dope on screen. Uh, Maybe right next to Duncan Idaho in terms of like my favorite. In terms of daddy, uh, daddy factor. Yeah, in the <laughs> book, if if Stilgar is not your favorite, I don't know what we've got this like what we have in common. Um, in the film, reasonable case for Duncan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Stilgar's just getting off the ground. I, yeah. I, but in the I film would we say, saw, you know, if there's a weak link in this movie, I don't know if it's a hot take to say it or not, but if there's a weak link in this movie, it might be Tim- Timothy Chalamet, who sure. I think is doing a fine job as yeah. Paul. But you know, something I like about him that has nothing to do with his acting qualities uh, is that he really does seem half grown man, half small boy. Like he's <laughs> odd. He's this sort of odd, odd adolescent man boy who, yeah. yeah. It's funny, I was looking up trivia. It turns out he is only like two years younger than uh, uh, Kyle MacLachlan when he was, when he played Paul in the David Lynch movie. He's only, he's only a little younger because, but but Kyle MacLachlan looks like 30. Yeah, I know. People look like shit in the 80s. You have to remember they were were doing cocaine and 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 not using shampoo. Yeah. Uh, I was also, this is neither here nor there, but I was struck with the observation that Timothy Chalamet looks like a, he looks very like Natalia Dyer, you know, Nancy from Stranger Things. Like, they look like they could be brother and sister. Like, they have the same face shape. Anyway, that's, I don't know, Google photos of the two of them, put them next to each other and tell me I'm wrong. Interesting. In the, in the context of the first book, I think outside of the Gom Jabbar, there's not an overtly highly dramatic scene for him to flex any acting chops, whether he's got them or not. Well, I think that's maybe part of the problem is because like, you know, the sort of Gary Stu feeling that we've had, that's of course on purpose, like, like that's sort of part of the point of Paul, like 
he doesn't seem like he's having like he knows what to do after a certain point like especially when like they get attacked and they're out in the desert like jessica seems freaked out and paul's like yeah, all right. Uh, we got to do the sand walk. I learned it from Rick Steves in the documentary I watched earlier. I loved this. I mean, this is so fucking stupid. I cannot believe they took away his prescience in that moment and had him learn the sand walk from a literal PBS special he watched <laughs> on the flight to Arrakis. Now, we d- he did watch those PBS specials uh, to, on the flight. Like, that did come up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, cu- I just couldn't believe that that was... <laughs> <laughs> that was I, I the decision like, that they made. I don't know. Watching it, it didn't feel like bad to me watching it. No, I, mean, and, it, and I don't it, know. It, it made sense. In a way, I like it too because it takes away some of his magicalness because he did watch those specials. He some Sometimes he can learn something from a book and not his magic, you know, witch brain. Right, right. But I guess if they're going to bother and they do have these shots, right? The shots I'm going to describe, they are fully in the movie. If oh, they're yes, going to bother dreams. If they're going to bother having his future dreams where he sees an alternate future where him and Jameis are best friends and Jameis teaches him all about the desert and how to survive, why couldn't he just learn the sandwalk dance from Jameis in this spooky <laughs> alternate future dream? Like, why why make that choice? It's bizarre. Yeah. I don't if, know. If, the, if you if you if uh, if the tr- if it was a if it was a very deliberate choice and that it was intended to pay off, it's to show a chink in the armor that he is is not. A perfect magic witch boy, I think, would mm-hmm. be the only would be the only inference you could draw. Well, and also learning the sandwalk stuff early is also a great way into learning about the the worms. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, and also the, the, the sandwalk. I'm the sandwalk <laughs> was fucking dumb. I I loved it though. <laughs> I know. I, I was here for it too. Again, with the same the same shit Austin said about like sometimes sci fi is fucking weird. Like I yeah. like that they were willing to be silly and and I've said you know. Dune takes itself very seriously in in its prose, but the concepts it presents are inherently are inherently fun, and some of them are there purely for Herbert's specific fun. He wanted a sci-fi <laughs> epic with sword fighting. He went out of his way to make uh-huh. believe a reason why guns are bad and sword fighting's cool. <laughs> That's as deep as that shit goes. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So I, I have one thing that I want to tell you, uh, which is that it's a very short thought. This thought is that uh, th- this movie has uh, several moments that made me smile, uh, a few laughs in it. I-, I liked it. Mostly it's a pretty serious film. But the biggest laugh I got while watching this movie uh, was accidental. <laughs> and it's because I had closed captioning on. And <laughs> there's this, this scene where like the thumper, they had the thumper that like lures the sandworm away, but the sandworm is about to eat Paul and Jessica. <laughs> The sandworm rears up its head and makes some noises, and this closed captioning oh, said, the closed captioning comes on. It said, "Sandworm moans," <laughs> <laughs> and I fucking died. I almost fell out of my chair. Like, uh, yeah, the excessive accessibility closed captioning is often funny. If you especially not not that it exists, but if you if you think you just got regular subtitles on, and then it's just yeah. like dramatic music swells. You're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Let's talk about Ch- Chani. Let's, let's. Yeah. Let's bring it home with uh, with a with talking about Zendaya, um, who I believe we had a very prescient line in our podcast episode of like, huh? I mean, I guess she'd have to be either they introduce it earlier or maybe she just literally we see her visions and then we literally see her at the very end. Yeah. Um, and that was yeah, that was exactly how it was. It was. 
uh, interspersed visions and then a sort of a good six minutes of Zendaya at the end of the movie. (laughs) Which, so I, I didn't love the choice. I mean, for one, because, you know, ultimately the movie I got was a movie I enjoyed. But when you plaster her over all the trailers... Yeah, I had an expectation yep. about the pace and the tone. Like I was thrown off by by it. Um, but right. that's marketing. That's a completely different team. And I and right, that's and, not his choice. But yeah. Um, also, as as the one bit of foreshadowing that exists, right? I think the movie opens on his dream, or it's very shortly after. It opens on her sort of explaining the the fremen, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. So I just thought it would have been really cool if the scenes where Stilgar comes, and of course we cut the the dinner scene, but imagine the dinner scene was still there. It could have been a bridge, no sexy pirate talk, I know, but just like, imagine it's a very small scene. I would have loved to see Paul's reaction to this girl earlier and just have her be there in the room. Yeah, totally. Because it doesn't, it doesn't rob you of anything. Like, she's there and then she's gone and he's like, I don't know, maybe that's all the visions mean. And then after all, everything else in the crazy movie happens and then they fucking, like, star-crossed lovers run into each other again on a desert planet full of nothing but desert and they find each other. Like, that still could have been really cool. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked, I would like more of her. I mean, yeah, I, I, don't, is... I, I don't have strong opinions because of, you know, how little we got of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, big fan of Mary Jane. She's she's delightful in Spider Man. In Spider Man, yeah. that's how many times does Spider Man come up? In I this? know it's coming up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a weird, a weird thing to keep. Well, well, this is an obvious. To, but... This is an obvious connection because it's the literal actress. But right, I, yeah, but it, 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 yeah. The the, the yeah. general irony of Spider Man coming up a lot is, is fun. Uh, I would um, say, I would say, from a from you know. I have, I have, I don't pull this card very often. As an actor to critique another actor in their performance, I think that if you're going to be in Hollywood and you're going to be on screen with a lot of close-ups, I think you need to, you need to have an understanding of what your facial tics are. She has, in the, the bottom half of her face, she has extremely idiosyncratic Zendaya mouth tics. When she talks, the like little smirks she makes, oh, she sure. has a lot of extra unconscious movement of her face that is there every time she's in anything. Um, and it it took me out a little bit to see her make Mary Jane faces as she's trying to do this, you know, mystical sci-fi desert planet badass yeah, girl. No, I mean, so in general, and and I I personally. Uh, like I said, she's really not in in the movie enough for me to solidly dog her. Uh, mm-hmm. I liked her fine for what I saw, and that's not that even sounds a little bit you know backhanded. She's in three minutes of the movie generously. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> well, and and I'd I'd almost lever I'd almost leverage the exact opposite complaint towards Timothy Chalamet because I think I think. He, He's got nothing on his face. <laughs> with uh, with with both Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet, they are as as Hollywood, you know, hotshot, hotshot kids, hot kids, the whiz kids. Mm-hmm. They are they are the hardest to sort of grapple with in the film. Yeah, uh, Jason Momoa a little bit because he's kind of just being a being a fun teddy bear, which yeah. he is off, you know, which he is off off camera. Um, yep. But he's fun. You you don't. Yeah, and the movie needs it. it the movie, yeah, the it movie. super does. So we'll allow him to just be Jason Momoa <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, 
And I don't mean to be unfair. I really like her. I think she's great. I think she's going to knock it out the park in the next movie. No, but like for a film with a lot of stars, a lot of them had toned down star power, right? Yes. Jason yes. Isaac, Josh Brolin. Uh, who else is like a A-list actor who's kind of just simmering in this? There's, mm-hmm. there's definitely more. Yeah, oh, of no. course, of course, uh, the Baron. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Vic, uh, uh, Skarsgård. Uh, Skarsgård. Peter. Uh, no. Yeah. One of uh, Stellan. Isn't he? Stellan. Oh, Stellan. 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 Yes. A... There's Peter Sarsgaard, Alexander Skarsgård, and Stellan. Stellan Skarsgård. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about the others. You guys know Stellan acts in like Swedish movies, Norwegian movies, Danish movies, yeah. American movies. He's just he's just the man. The man's a polyglot. Who's just but, Stellan. But big. Being a polyglot's one thing, but to like do a list film in all exactly. of those countries yeah. is pretty wild. Yeah, Stellan yeah. Sardikar. Is that right? <laughs> he got it. He dogged us. He did it. He got, <laughs> he got there. Some he found the way in. Our our uh, he's put our a armor. name next to a word. And I'm <laughs> furious. Our shields are turning red. <laughs> Kill shot confirmed. Uh. I'm super excited for the next movie. I'm really excited to hear more about the rest of the actual book from you, Rory, and the, at the at the rest of our podcast, which is going to keep going through the the end of the year. We'll finish the book, uh, and I, yeah, I don't know this this was this was an incredible movie experience for me. I, I'm glad we got the movie at the moment we got it in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. I personally don't believe the narrative that uh, the film's performance was. You know, a sort of razor thin line whether the whether a a sequel would get uh, greenlit. Oh, I think that was uh-huh. hype. I think that was a hype machine. But who knows? Agreed. I personally think that it would have been better to release it when you were when the sequel like could have come out in the next year. Yeah, yeah. I know it's gonna be. Yeah, we'll see if the wait does it any favors. Man, I know. I mean, because the narrative that you heard like moving around on the internet was like they were scared of what had happened to like Blade Runner and and movies of its ilk that sort of like were huge money dumps and then you know but they that bailed was also sequels. right. So that movie was a. I mean, maybe they had similar similar budgets. I don't know, but that was constant CGI. I have to imagine it ran up a, a higher bill. Shit, what was I going to say? And then uh, the other thing is that they had cuts of this, like. They they might not have known it was going to be what, what it was going to do exactly by the numbers, but this is mm-hmm. this is this is a this is a this is a slam dunk, right? Like you know you've yeah. got you've got these actors, you've got this director, you've got a film that's this good. It, it wasn't going to tank. No, no. Plus, you know how you know how excited I personally might actually get if they release like a Blu-ray with an extended cut with a bunch of deleted oh, content baby. in it. You know oh, how much yeah, I would baby. I would watch a three-hour cut of this movie. Definitely, I, I've seen. A, there's hints of some of some deleted scenes, but personally, for the length of it and for its diligence to the book and the choices they made to change were so deliberate. Yeah. I can't think of what got cut just for time. I don't maybe, either. Maybe, but maybe the script was different enough that you know they kept more of those scenes, and then the movie they made was different. You maybe know. longer scenes with like with like uh, Piter and the Baron and that or sort of thing. Or more UA, maybe a whole bunch more, of UA scenes. You would that expect got cut? more UA. So my only thought is that like if if you felt that those were important to the story enough to, to film them, I think you or to write it and then film it. Like I think they make the final cut because it's 
it's so integral to the book that this felt this was a departure, an intentional departure, and not a yeah, didn't yeah. Feel like a, yeah. So I, but who yeah. knows? Who the fuck knows? I would love to find out. That there's a there's a four hour uh, <laughs> Peter Jackson, <laughs> yeah, four hour no, Peter Jackson. Cut. I was just gonna mention Peter Jackson because I don't feel like Denny Villeneuve Villeneuve a um, does isn't you know he's not a Peter Jackson type who just sort of shoots whatever and just kind of throws a ton of shit at the wall and animates it. You know, and it's just like, we well, have this whole a- other movie that we decided to cut because it was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a totally different setup, right? Like, these people just yeah. lived in New Zealand for three years and shot right. whenever they felt like it. Right. Hey, Weta, do you want to make, like, a new set and 800 swords? Like, yeah, that's all right. And then New Zealanders, where you would just be like, hey, you want to come be in the movie? Because <laughs> we need Hi, bodies. you want to be in the movie? I think something like 1% of New Zealanders are in, are in the... Yeah, I buy it. In the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Yeah. Oh um, man! Well, uh, yeah, this is it, y'all. We we watched Dune Part One. Yeah, we did it. Fuck. Yeah, uh, I know we'll finish the book. Uh, you know, by the end of the year. But this podcast, I'm gonna say it right now, is gonna reconvene for a, a, a final episode that'll go on this feed in 2023, where we talk about having seen the other movie. Uh, oh, definitely. Oh, so, well, we could yeah. watch. So, I mean, perhaps not like just keep. I don't know if we want to milk the podcast by watching the various <laughs> adaptations, but maybe but we one, could. One could be fun. The miniseries, the sci-fi miniseries. The miniseries, series, the David Lynch, I feel like we should see. David, yeah, but it, it, it's it's such a creative departure that it's its own sort of beast. It is Dune, but it's Lynch's Dune, right? Right, like it, right. I'd, I'd be interested. Maybe maybe we do that on Patreon. You know what maybe I mean? Maybe we watch, we watch Jodorowsky's Dune. The documentary. <laughs> the documentary. Art. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, you know, I, I this is this is extra. I'm probably not even going to cut this episode that much. I'm just going to get rid of the parts where we said, "Wait a minute, I forgot what we were saying." and <laughs> move along. Uh, and hopefully I have this out really soon so that you can enjoy it. Uh, if yeah. you haven't seen the movie, see the movie. They're not going to know the context of you saying how soon you're going to turn the show around. Oh, well, <laughs> no, this right? is this is this is this is November 4th as we record it. <laughs> That's good for the people. The people need to know. (laughs) Oh, man. So thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you want to hear more shows from us, we have two more for you. The Infinite Backlog is our extremely exciting Marvel podcast where we started at 1961 and we move forward with way too much reading. Wham, bam, pow. (laughs) And you get to hear almost every week Rory and Shane complain about how much reading it is. There's so much reading. It's always Warlock. (laughs) It comes out most Saturdays. Saturday Morning Tuesdays, you guys, it's the show that started it all. Uh, You can hear me, Rory, and Andy, and we are on this journey most Tuesdays where we are looking through the weirdest and wildest, coolest and droolest uh, (laughs) cartoons, children's cartoons, adult cartoons from all across the spectrum of time. We're going to cover your favorite show. Maybe we're going to talk about the ones you hate. Probably. 
and <laughs> it's a great, wonderful time. So be sure to catch that. And of course, if you enjoyed this show or any of our shows, really, and you want to support us, we do have a Patreon chock full of bonus content, everything from videos to sound clips to even some fun art that I get to make for you once a month. Um, and, you know, even if you can't support us monetarily, if you don't have anything to give, we would just love it if you joined our Discord and send us memes. Um, <laughs> send memes to us all day long. Keep us awake all night long with your memes. We love memes. We consume them. Just ruin us with your memes. <laughs> Please ruin us with your memes. As always, our links are in the episode description. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Laters. Laters.